Welcome to X-Files Podcast, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. I'm Janice Formicella, a breakup coach passionate about supporting others to heal from their breakups, overcome loneliness, love being single, and see the end of a relationship as the beginning of a magical new chapter in life. I am here each week to share with you the tools that I have learned through my own painful breakups, through hitting rock bottom more than once, and through working with people all around the world to heal their broken hearts. If you are looking for hope and strength to move on from your breakup and resources to enjoy your new single life, you are in the right place. And I've got your back. Welcome to another episode of X-Files, dear listeners, and welcome back, Jackie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about narcissism today. (laughs) (laughs) Such a fun topic. Um, (laughs) I really enjoyed our last episode, and I was excited that you wanted to cover this topic. So I know so many people listening to X-Files want healthier relationships in the future. And something that I hear as a coach so much is, how can I make sure this doesn't happen again? (laughs) And so I do think that talking about toxic people, toxic behaviors, toxic relationships and red flags is a great thing to to discuss and a great thing to bring to the attention of listeners because there's no time like the single time to educate <laughs> yourself on these things and you know make some goals for yourself maybe set some boundaries make commitments to yourself about what you will and will not put up with so this is great and i know that you have some background in this so i thought you were perfect to um cover this topic with again I am ready and willing to say the truth. Let's do this. (laughs) Okay, great. So I thought it would be fun to start out, or I don't know about fun. It would be interesting to start out with the fact that we both have experience with this. I was dating a very overt, Mm -hmm. is that what it is? A very obvious (laughs) narcissist. uh, Extremely, extremely, very, very over the top. Uh, but also very, very charming and smart and had a lot of things that I thought I wanted. I was so inexperienced with dating and relationships and just wanted so desperately to be in one that yeah. I just, I looked past things. I excused things. I forgave again and again and again. Mm-hmm. He was violent. He was someone who never took responsibility for his actions. You know, he'll yeah. do something horrible to you and then, you know, just sit there and and blame you like even in the moment. I yeah. mean, it was really over the top and it was, oh, he was also an addict, which I think narcissism and addiction can go hand in hand, not always, but mostly because many addicts don't care about the ramifications of their behavior and and the impact that they are having on others. So that was the case uh, definitely with him. And my story is a little unique in that he was actually diagnosed when he was in rehab as having this. So, um, which, yeah, which was kind of a trip. To be honest, this was a a while ago, maybe even seven years to if I, yeah. Yeah. So it, it was been a while. And You know, narcissism has become a topic of great interest over the last few years. At the time, I I didn't understand what it was and what I had found myself in until it just got so worse that it was just too unsafe for me to be there. But so I do, I can relate to a lot of what we are going to be discussing today. Yeah. Narcissism is, it's definitely been a very trendy word for at least three to five years now. I had learned about it a long time ago because of, you know, parental units and their narcissism. And also I did date a narcissist who was uh, overt, which means that they're not super grandiose. They're not like a Trump, right? Like they're more like super sweet and passive aggressive and like quiet. And they seem like they're such good people that they're crazy a little bit and narcissistic. <laughs> and again, like you said, they don't take responsibility. They gaslight you. They blame you for things that aren't real that you didn't do. 
And you, and in my case, same with you, is that I was at a very pivotal time in my age where everyone was getting married and there was all this pressure and he wanted to marry me like immediately. And what's really crucial here, and we'll very much get into this later, is that you know, there's a difference between meeting someone and being like, wow, our values and morals and lives are so in sync. And like, this makes sense. We could see this getting, you know, going the distance and getting married versus someone you meet who's like, I want to marry you, but not for really good reasons. They're like, I just want to, even though we're Mm -hmm. complete opposites and we have nothing in common. And then we get into love bombing, which again, we will talk about later. And that's what happened to me is that I met someone who was very handsome, seemed like he had his shit together. And yet this man was just looking to like check a box and would, you know, love mop me into believing that, yeah, you're right. No, we, we should do that. Like, yeah, this does make sense. But the whole time, and this is very key. And I think this should be a theme in the podcast today is that if it does not feel right, kids don't do it. It is wrong. Your whole body will tell you, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think you can still have chemistry with someone either initially or at times that can cloud your judgment or that you can convince yourself that the moments where you don't feel safe and where you think something's wrong are mind games. You know, I had an experience wow. recently where it, it fell off. There was moments where I was like, why are you saying this? Why are you saying I'm the love of your life? Like two weeks in and I, and I, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And I just, I convinced myself that it was because I hadn't had a relationship in so long and that maybe I was, you know, just finding my footing again, this whole story that I created around my fears of intimacy that, Mm -hmm. you know, I actually don't, you know, think that I struggle with that much. And yeah, sometimes, you know, things were really fun and great. But you know what, especially in a new relationship, you're not going to feel uneasy and unsafe that much. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, we're going to get into this, but like a new relationship is always going to give you the, like the feels and the excitement and all the things. But yeah, it's, especially if you've dated a narcissist before you have narcissistic parents or relatives, siblings, you're always going to be a little bit more hyper on gu- on guard to new people because you are so going to wait for the other shoe to drop. And the truth of the matter is it, with anything, it just takes time with that person to see if they're going to show their true colors. And narcissists usually start showing their true colors around month three. Huh. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm thinking back to my experience in New York um, with uh, my abuser and it, it was, and then it was like, Oh shit, what have I done? Um, anyhow, so let's, thank you so much for sharing. I look forward to hearing more about your story. I guess we can dive into it and talk about what are these red flags? What are some traits of a narcissist before we do? I just want to put it out there that your job as a listener and our job as co-hosts is not really to diagnose anyone. This information is only for you. It's really not for you to take back to this person. I think that's really important. This is, you know, can be a full-blown, you know, mental disorder. And that is diagnosed. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing that we can do with this information other than use it as we we meet people and make our own decisions. That's right. Very glad you said that. Um, There's different types of narcissism. And narcissism exists on a spectrum which the two of us were talking about recently. So, which I, I still, it's not that I struggle with it. I just don't understand it very well because I'm, I've been more exposed to the very over the top forms of narcissism. And so to think that someone could be more passive and still so toxic is something I'm still learning about, I guess. Yeah. And that's the type that I've had more of, even with one person close in my life, he can go either way. He can be overt and grandiose or he can be covert. It really depends on the mood of what's he, what he's in. The overt, like you said, is like, you know, overtly grandiose and needs to be the center of attention and has to have the spotlight on them. And God forbid you take the spotlight off of them oh, with yeah. any sort of good news or accomplishment or success that you might have, they will quickly diminish you and make you feel less than, or they'll completely like 
you know, let's just say you called the person and you're like, hey, I have great news to tell you. They'll be like, oh, you know what? I'm just getting through Target. Let me call you right back. Like, hold I got it. What? What? Okay. And then they hang up on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so messed up. They're that's uncomfortable. Kind of covert, mm-hmm. right? That's the sort of covert, like, oh, I'm just going to pretend like nothing's happening with you in this really passive aggressive way. When you have someone who is, you know, passive aggressive and blaming you and feeling basically they're playing the victim, right? That is a huge trait that you're like, wait, I might be dealing with a narcissist. Yes. And also making it about them when it's not about them at all. That's I, right. I, I know I, one day I was speaking with my partner on the phone and I was excited because I'd help my mom with something. You know, we hadn't had a very good relationship for very long and we were just having a conversation. I said, Oh, you know, I was out running some errands, doing some stuff for mom. And he goes, Oh, that's interesting. You never do anything for me. Yep. There it is. That's perfect narcissism yes. right there. Right. Um, and like, and like you said, it is on a spectrum. It can be super horrible diagnosed, you know, as a psychiatrist is like, yep, you've got narcissistic personality disorder for sure. Or it could just be that someone was raised with narcissism around them, or they were put in an environment where that was able, that was their coping mechanism was to, to survive. So they become narcissistic. Mm -hmm. And so they have traits of it. And with anyone who's dealing with any sort of mental unwellness, it's coming from a place of pain. And I would like to really say, first and foremost, you can have the compassion you want for them, but it's about making sure that you keep yourself safe because narcissism, will, they'll never have the compassion that you will have for them ever. Great point. Thank you. And you really deserve that in a relationship. What you just said is it was a perfect segue into the last thing I want to say as a precursor. And that is that you could be dating someone who does toxic things Mm -hmm. and who exhibits some of the red flags that Jackie and I are going to talk about and not necessarily be a narcissist. You know, you can kind of be a jerk or do jerky things. And I don't know how important it is. I just feel like sometimes it's good for us to be more descriptive about what's going on rather than put a label on it. I was dating someone and broke up a couple of years ago and someone was asking me about it one day and I was just like, look, it just didn't work out, you know? And she, and she just immediately goes, Oh, he's a narcissist. And, I, <laughs> and I'm like, not at all. It, I mean, he wasn't that nice in the end, but it's, you know, I would rather have been asked, you know, what, what went down. So yeah. just little things to keep in mind before we talk about some of these traits. Let's talk about the traits. So we've talked about the self-centeredness. That's, I think we've definitely given that. (laughs) The lack of emotional empathy. I know a lot of psychotherapists, psychiatrists will say lack of empathy is the number one trait in a person with narcissism. They truly don't know how to feel empathy for others. Sociopaths really don't care. They don't even understand like, hey, this is wrong. Narcissists, they know what they're doing. They're really in it for the game. The game is fun for them, right? The power is fun because they're so deeply, deeply insecure. So they really don't care about you you or your happiness or your unhappiness. They don't have empathy, guys. Like ask yourself if you're dating someone or if you think someone might be narcissistic around you, ask yourself, Have they ever asked how I was or like truly offered help in like need? Have they actually shown up for me in even an emotional way, just a phone call or something like really ask yourself that my girlfriend asked me that a long time ago about a narcissist in my life. And I was like, oh my God, no, they've never done anything like they've never shown empathy. They're ultra sensitive to perceived slights, easily angered, and they become quickly abusive when they don't get their way. You guys, this is a huge Mm -hmm. uh, overt personality trait. They're like big, huge babies. Again, let's talk about Trump. That's, that is it. That's what yes. it is. When, and, you know, especially when, you know, no harm was, no harm was yep. intended. You know, I had my ex fly off the handle and I, I, and me just sit there confused, wondering how he could have possibly taken this in any sort of negative wow. way at all. And, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I look, I think having a bad temper is a, is a generally bad trait in people, but if I would, yeah, becoming so personally offended so easily, big red flag. Yeah. Super big, big flag. 
Okay. This is something very important too. They devalue you. So they put you down, but I'd actually like to let you discuss what that really means because I feel like you went through that for sure. Yeah. So basically I think that it it can be someone who doesn't want to celebrate anything about you or your life or accomplishments, just like this one story just now with my mom. I sent him a poem once that I'd written about our relationship and he sent me back a message saying how sweet it was. I'm not and he goes, you're really not much of a poet, are you? But, you know, I, this, you know, it's still sweet. And instead of just saying thank you, I, I used to be a VA and, you know, I was trying to grow my business and I would never be able to share anything about my business with him because the next thing he would do is Google my clients and then sit there and tell me how full of shit my clients are because I, I was working in the wellness industry and he, you know, didn't really, didn't, didn't like that. And so not really being able to ever share anything and just going out of their way to find things to, to shit on basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. They also require constant attention. Yes. This constant. is the person who wants to text as soon as you wake up and then all day long. Mm-hmm. It's like super codependent, but it's also really their form of control. They need to control you. They need to control everything in their life, basically. Well, not even basically. They just do. And so, yes, they require constant attention because they have no self-worth, no self-esteem. They need constant validation with you you texting back. It's that hit of dopamine every time. And if they don't get it, they will devalue you. (laughs) They'll get pissed, too. He wouldn't even, like, let me just go out with my friends for a few hours and not answer him. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's all about control. They expect to be recognized as superior, even without achievements (laughs) that warrant it status conscious. Like they, yeah, they're like, I would just like to be known as the best thing on earth. And I didn't do anything to deserve it, but you know what? Mm -hmm. I really want to make sure you treat me like the king. Yes. A thousand percent. (laughs) I can relate to that. And then just a couple more puts others down. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, look, we all have our weak moments, I suppose. I but don't it's, know. It's a but, little different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a little different where it's like, yeah, like if you're at brunch and you're doing some gossip, like it's one thing. You're drinking some mimosas. Maybe you're gossiping a little bit. Whatever. We're not, we're human here. But it's more like looking down or speaking down to like the waiter yeah. or, you know, a valet attendant or something like that's such a huge turnoff to me on so many levels. But like, you know, again, it's that feeling that you're superior. I think that this is one of the things that really flies under the radar is someone who is overly horrible or inequipped to deal with stress. Yeah. And I'm not, maybe you can speak more to why this affects narcissists so much, but I know that this has definitely been been my experience. You know, the, the tiniest thing that, you know, most people that you deal with day to day that caused him stress you know he'd pace he'd cry he'd you know have a hard time breathing he'd rant he'd you know rave and I mean you could not even be in the same space with him because he would just it was so over the top and seriously like little things too you know like changing our like dealing with car registration or you know paying a bill or having to have dinner with his parents you know things that aren't really the funnest, but it's not really, yeah. you know, for many of us, it's not going to ruin our day and have us, you know, pacing back and forth for hours. And then yeah. afterwards, you know, raging about it. <laughs> the rage is a big thing. I mean, when narcissists rage, it's terrifying. It's scary. It's loud. It's, it's scary. I don't really know how else to put it. So yeah, when they're having a problem with any kind of stress, I always think that it's because they just need to be in control of everything and they don't feel control when something stressful is happening, no matter if they got the wrong change given to them from like the McDonald's server person or they like, you know, their house is going bankrupt or whatever the hell. It's just like they do not deal with stress ever. Also, because they always want to be right if something stressful is happening, it might mean that they did something wrong and they really don't like that either. Yeah, true. They're going to instantly blame whoever, whatever, you know, to take care of themselves because they're such a victim. Yeah, that's a a good point. Thank you. So things to keep your eyes open for, Mm -hmm. or things to keep your eyes out for, for sure. So many people 
can relate to get to being three months in and then wondering what have I done? Yep. Where is this coming from? How did I ignore the red flags? How was I yeah. so naive? And so I thought it was really important to go over, you know, why it can be so easy to miss the red flags and get yeah. caught up with a narcissist. I mean, look, if it can happen to me, it can happen to everyone. And that's not to put myself up. But although I was inexperienced in love and relationships, you know, I've newly divorced, got married very young. I had, you know, I'd worked in a DV shelter. I had worked in the, you know, crisis center on campus. I was very well versed about domestic violence and still found myself so in over my head and thinking that I was so in love that I, I just continue to allow more and more. And that's another thing. You give these people an inch. <laughs> take a mile. They're going <laughs> to so. take the whole football field, guys. <laughs> uh, so the, I didn't experience this as much, but some narcissists are have really big personalities and are the life of the party. I wouldn't say my partner was really the life of the party, but definitely an intense person who would, yeah, yeah kind of the center of attention for, for sure. They manipulate the getting to know you phase to make you feel that you are lucky for them choosing you. What? This I relate to. I was an academic and he would go on and on and on about his PhD, which I never saw him work on, by the way. And <laughs> definitely I did have this feeling like, oh, wow, you know, this worldly, smart, you know, brilliant man is choosing me, which I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but I did. I think that's a really normal feeling when we look mm -hmm. up to people and we're impressed and we admire them, whether we're dating them or not, you know, it's like, oh, wow, like you've done so much. Like I do feel kind of honored that you think that I'm on the same level as you. I think that's a very human thing to feel okay. actually. Yeah. Right. And, but they're, they know they're doing it is <laughs> the mm -hmm. thing. Narcissists are hungry for power and control. They revel in relationships with confident people who are making mm -hmm. them look good and feel good. So yep. everyone out there, Arm this whole candy. Yes. I mean, I, there's this story out there that narcissists and abusers pick vulnerable people. And I hate when people say that because actually I think they go out of their way to pe pick people who, who lift them up because of how great they are. <laughs> I would agree with that. Even though they seem grandiose, they have extreme lack of self-worth. So if they are with someone who does have self-worth, yeah. they think, oh, cool. Well, like I'm going to feed off of that. They use you as narcissistic supply, as fuel. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they want someone who's like flashy and accomplished and has a bunch of friends and has a great life. And I, I think if you've had a track record of healthy relationships, you'd be just as vulnerable to this if you hadn't, because you have confidence in your ability to make wise choices, but yes, so tread lightly. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you. Here's a big one. They seem to be madly in love with you. And man, doesn't that feel nice? Especially yes. since all of us are just trying to find someone and dating is harder than it's ever been when someone's like, I am so in love with you. But let's clarify when that comes up, guys, because this mm -hmm. is like a really major point. If someone is saying to you, I love you on the second date or the second time you've ever talked or saying you're my soulmate mm -hmm. in the, the first week, guys, run. Just yeah. run. That mm -hmm. person, not healthy. That person, doesn't matter who is in front of them is going to say that to because they are obviously codependent but could be a narcissist or have narcissistic traits. And trying to um, reel you in. I think, you know, especially yeah. when you have some chemistry going. You, yeah. I mean, even in the first month, you don't necessarily know if it's love, but putting these labels on it can suck you in. And that's definitely par yeah. you know, partially what happened to me. My divorce was, my marriage had just been winding down for so long. And I, I, I liked the excitement. You know, I liked getting flowers yeah. and presents and letters. And um, yeah, it definitely and made me feel special. Absolutely. And like, it's not to say that if someone does that for you in the beginnings of Thank the relationship, you. it's not, a, it's not like, oh, they're a narcissist. And like, let me just speak on this personally, because, you know, my last major relationship was with a narcissistic person, or at least had major narcissistic traits because yes, he was undiagnosed. So I can't like really say he was, but if I had a psychiatrist, I'm pretty sure they'd say yes. So it's made me very wary 
of anyone who comes on to you strong. For my personal experience, the thing that is huge for me is time and it's consistency and it's mm-hmm even keeledness. You know, you've got to be even keeled. You've got to keep like showing up as the same person. Mm -hmm. You can't be super like, oh my God, let's go to Greece next week. Like they've got to just keep it slow and steady. The consistency is big with narcissists because they, they're not even, even They're not consistent. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. They're very up and down and up and down and up. And and it's a roller coaster, right? You're going to feel like you're on a roller coaster of like high emotions and low and high. (sighs) And then and that comes on really quickly too. It is it is fast. Um, but with someone who is really like, oh my gosh, I met you. I found you. It is slow and steady. And if you say to them, hey, this is moving too fast, they're like, cool, we will slow it down. I'll do whatever you need. Yes. And they will. They will act, their actions will speak louder than their words. And not holding it against you. They will understand mm-hmm. and they'll go out of their way to make you feel safe because they actually yeah. care about you. And, um, I do, I'm all about the flowers and everything and the, and the gifts, but I do want to say he was also saying that he, he was going to, we're going to move in together and that he was going to like design me a new, you know, apartment. And then started talking about marriage, love, all of these things within a very, very short amount of time. What was the short amount of time though? Was it like within a a month, a month and a half? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then within six months I had moved in with him. Mm, yeah. Same. Which honestly is fine too. Like that is a mm. normal amount of time. It's the other stuff. It's the feeling uneasy. It's the roller coaster. It's the gaslighting, which we'll get into as they go on. All of us, we need to improve our boundaries or our ability to execute them. It can be really uncomfortable to stand up to a narcissist. And so when they are saying, Hey, I want to move in. Hey, I want to marry you. Hey, I love you. And it's coming in like the first few weeks, kids, like real quick. I'm fine with committing and being exclusive pretty early on, but that doesn't mean like, just cause we're exclusive now we're like madly in love and like, we're going to move everything forward really fast. Just means, Hey, we've decided not to date anyone else. And you're my girlfriend or my boyfriend. And like, that's it. We're just going to keep moving that's all. That's all it means. But if they are pushing all of these big goals on you, like, I really want you to meet my parents. And it's been like three weeks. Mm-hmm. You guys, this is your boundary. This is when you have to say, you know what? I don't feel comfortable with that. Cause you probably won't. You'll probably feel like flattered, but not actually comfortable. Like and I did this recently. Someone I was dating wanted me to meet his daughter. And I, I just, I was trying so hard to like slow things down in my mind. I'm like, why are you even asking me? Like yeah. this, this is too much. And yeah, I, I did, I did say no, but, but be careful because this goes to our next point that when you have the boundaries, sometimes they put it on you and make you feel mm-hmm. like the jerk. <laughs> oh, that's their favorite thing is mm-hmm. to make you the bad guy. You could be the one to hurt and they could be like, no, that was your fault. Yes. That's, yeah. You did it to yourself. Actually, if someone say that to me, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, you're so yeah, good. They shift the blame to make others look bad is basically what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And love bombing, which I think we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about it yes. later. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's a big one. That's, that's yeah. my pattern so much. So I thank you so much for all of that. I thought it might be kind of fun because so many people listening to X Files are either fresh uh, in a breakup or wanting to kind of date again. It is breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. So you don't necessarily have to get to three months to figure out that you've met someone a little toxic. (laughs) 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 I thought it might be a little fun to talk about how things might look on a first date. 10 signs of narcissism on a first date. Number one, telling stories that place themselves at the center. So no matter what the story is and how, how many other people were involved in it or whatever their background is, they are going to be the star, <laughs> the star of any story, which mm-hmm. I can definitely say was the case. I know he, my partner and his family went skiing, like in the Alps or something like super fancy. And I think they were there yeah. for two weeks. And I don't think I ever talked to him where he said anything about his family even being there. It was, you know, it was all just how great he had been on the slopes that day. Now, mm-hmm. And you would have thought he was there on a solo holiday. That's that type of thing. Yeah, definitely. 
bragging about their accomplishments, which you might seem like a little crazy, but some narcissists will do this on a first date. Well, and this can be confused too because people can be nervous on first dates and then they just start talking about themselves. So it's really like a different sort of vibration, right? It's a different sort of feeling. It's like, you know, if I was on a first date and some guy was just like rattling off, like you could tell they were just like, like really nervous talking about themselves, I would probably be like, you know what? Some people do. They just, they don't know what to talk about. They don't know the questions to ask. So they'll just start talking about themselves and their accomplishments because they want to come off looking like a catch to you. Sure. Now, if they know how to ask some questions, (laughs) but then they always bring it back to their accomplishments. So like if I said like, oh, hey, yeah, I used to own a bakery. They could be like, you know what? I owned a commercial kitchen and they like one up you with (laughs) like, and it like becomes their story. And you're like, oh, Okay, I'll just not tell it all about myself. And it always goes back. That's that's what we're talking about. That could be a little like red flag, like narcissism, kind of like, okay, so you're always going to be better. Cool. Yeah, one-upping, I think, is a big red flag for yeah. pe- people in general. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, if the conversation, it's always going to be up to you. How many of these red flags, you know, do you want to group together to make a decision yeah. about whether or not the talk, the person is toxic. What something that came to mind as uh, someone who dates a lot is that if someone's body language, I think combined with how they're talking, if someone's nervous and kind of going on and on because of just that, you're going to probably see some nervousness in other yeah. ways. Yeah. And then giving unasked for advice, just going in there and being like, you know what you should do with your life? I just oh. met you, but I'll tell you what you should do. <laughs> uh-huh. Or any, like I, I, he would always try and give me input on my, on my business. And he just, you could tell he just had no idea, you know, what I, what I needed. And if or you, like what you're doing, like they're, they're not an expert. They've never been in that field, but you know, right. like they know exactly how to do it. So like, <laughs> listen to me. Oh my God, that's the mm. worst. And I mean, this wasn't on the first date that he did this, but I do, I do know that early on on the first date, you know, for instance, I was looking for an apartment very early on, had lots of input on how I should go about getting this place. So we're kind of switching here, but I don't know that I've really experienced this too often, but bossiness. (laughs) I think that goes into like the giving unasked for advice too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bossiness is, you know, again, they think they're right all the time. They don't want to take responsibility for anything. No, On a first date, both. though, I mean, if you're at a bar or a restaurant, you might notice that they're giving orders to the yeah. staff without much gratitude, which is yes. something else that you won't see in a narcissism is much gratitude. Oh, my gosh. So, mm. Cheryl, they're insensitive to the desires of others. They just don't mm. care. It's the lack of empathy, right? Yeah. I would, he would um, keep me up really late and go out and I'd be saying afterwards, I just, I, time to go to bed. And, um, no, it did, if he wanted to yeah. keep going, we were going to keep going. That reminds me of a story. This was so, this was awful. So he didn't do this, but I had two ribs break from like a previous accident and I went running. It was too cold. Mm-hmm. My ribs were like, we're done. They broke and I was home. My boyfriend at the time was flying in that day. And I knew that I had really hurt myself because I really couldn't breathe. (laughs) And I had broken those ribs before, so I knew what was going on. I don't know if anyone here has broken their ribs, but it's really painful. And I haven't. It's scary because you you could puncture your lung. Oh, my God. (laughs) And yeah, and you can't actually take deep breaths. Um, The pain becomes like you become nauseous from the pain. And there was nothing I could do. I just literally had to like lay there for the whole day until I could see a chiropractor the next day to start at least aligning my spine back together to pop some ribs back in. And then like the other part of them actually broke. It was gross. No, thank you. So just to paint that picture, I texted my boyfriend who was on his way home from the airport. And I was like, Hey, I've really hurt myself. I'm pretty sure I broke my ribs. Could you like grab a couple things like at the market for me? You know, just anything, right? Because I can barely move. Also, by the way, this was just to give a more visual. I had like a sports bra on and like workout clothes. So they're tight and compression. And I'm like, how am I going to get this off? Like, I don't actually oh, know how to get this oh, off. Oh, Because yeah, I really couldn't yeah. move. It was yeah. so painful. Oh, he came home. And I'm like on the couch, just white as a sheet, right? You know, I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much nausea. 
it doesn't matter what I take. Nothing's helping. And he picks a fight with me. He literally picks a fight with me. I can barely breathe, much less yell or fight. And he's like, you know, you never appreciate anything I do. And I was like, what are okay. you talking about? What are you talking about? Thank you for the groceries. What what happened? This is what we're talking about, right? Like this is the whole like I need to be right. I'm insensitive to the desires of others. Like you asked me to do something and I did it. However, here's why he got angry. Because the spotlight was on me. Yeah. I was injured, guys, injured. And that was too much spotlight on me for him. And then he had to take care of me. Oh, God forbid. I've heard this before that injuries and illnesses um, mm-hmm. can um, shine a light on someone's narcissism because, you yeah. know, it might be hard to believe, but they will be so uncomfortable caring for you or you taking any of the attention away, even if you are yeah. suffering. And again, back yeah. to the lack of empathy. Yeah. Here's another one. They will ask inappropriate questions or say things to embarrass their date. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like you have a story about this. <laughs> well, a little. Yeah. I mean, I, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, first of all, I know early on dating him, he um, would poke fun at the college I went to because it wasn't Ivy League, though I did go to an Ivy League grad school but he thought it was lower level like he would make all these comments about about my schooling and this was very early on very like I went to a state school for college and he loved almost as soon as I met him saying things about about that and then one time I dated someone and I was telling him how much I like to spoil myself and yeah the next thing I know he's saying telling everyone what a brat I am they're yeah, at the bar. You are. Yeah, but like as a joke, it, everyone yeah. go and look at my episode on negging. It, I'll put it in the show notes because anyone who humiliates you or embarrasses you or demeans you on a any date, doesn't matter if it's first or tenth, nah, yeah. run yeah. for the hills. <laughs> Absolutely. Like you were saying, they put down the date, the place, saying they've had experiences that were better. They make you feel inferior and inadequate. Yeah, that could be nagging, that could be nagging, that could be poking, I mean, teasing. I don't like teasing a whole lot. I think you've got to have a real good rapport with someone, and it's got to be for a while to understand a little funny, teasy. Yeah, it's become a boundary of mine, for sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I've I've never liked that my whole life, but, you know, I feel like, like a little tiny thing here and there from whatever, like, that isn't inappropriate is fine. But when they are just poking the bear at the zoo, yeah. which is you, just because, especially in the beginning, oh my God, can you imagine if you went on a date and someone was like, hey, uh, had a few too, uh, too many cheeseburgers and like poked you? Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I mm-hmm. would literally get up and leave. I'd be like, bye. Yeah, <laughs> people do. People do though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They do. Okay. So this next thing is very important. Okay. I have lots of things to say. Yay, okay. When they say their exes are crazy. Now, we've all heard this, and if you haven't, today's the day you get to hear this. When someone says their ex is crazy, I have a caveat for this. Listen to them. If they feel like talking about it, listen to them. Now, should you say your ex is crazy on the first, third, fifth date? Probably not. Probably not. Big red flag. But if they do, listen to what they say. They will tell you exactly what happened in their perspective. And you can probably piece together the other half of it. Now, if you are dating someone and I don't know how much time it's been, but they're, you know, telling you like, hey, I was in a toxic relationship. It was really difficult. So this happened to me. Okay. Like, I'm just going to tell my story. I was feeling extremely triggered and I said, you know, listen, I've, I've been through a lot. I've really dealt with narcissism. My last relationship, I'm sorry. I know you're not supposed to say this, but he was crazy. (laughs) And I was, I literally, I said it. I was like, I know you're not supposed to say this, but he was because I was so triggered. And I was like, listen, I'm, I'm fine. But like, I'm scared as fuck to like get close to somebody Mm -hmm. too quickly because I've been there. And so it was more just like in defense of like, I'm scared, you know? Well, also, I mean, you were saying that you wanted to go slow rather than saying, you know, I'm a victim and feel and feel sorry uh-huh. for me. No, uh-huh. right. So yeah. listen to how if someone actually does say that, if it's in like the context I just gave of like, hey, listen, I need to go slow. I'm scared. My ex was crazy. Like I'm <laughs> freaked out. 
Now they're like, my ex was, all my exes have been crazy. I pick crazy girls. Okay, no, run. That's him. What you're just described to me, I couldn't hear like vitriol and resentment and anger in your voice. I just heard a lot of honesty and like the facts. And I think some people, when they talk about their exes, you can see them get worked up easily. You can see that the anger is really close to the surface. And especially if they're name calling as well, that's a lot different from what you've just described. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We said this earlier, they'll put down others or the wait staff. So just really like check that. And they're fishing for compliments. (laughs) Ew, gross. Mm -hmm. I mean, someone who's maybe like, look, it's good to show people pictures of things you've done on first dates. But if it's, you know, like, uh, I don't know, look at my car for, you know, rather than just something. (laughs) Yes. I feel like if it comes up naturally, Right. In like conversation, you're like, oh, you know what? Actually, I was just like in Europe, like here, this was my favorite picture. Okay, cool. That's like pretty natural. But if they're like, you're talking about sports and then they're like, hey, let me show you my freaking like Lamborghini. It's like, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Oh, and just a little tip for the daters out there. Put your phone on airplane mode or do not disturb or something so that when you're showing your date pictures, you don't get texts coming in from other people you're dating. Oh, that's some solid advice right there. Oh, that's so good. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. I'll make it as quick as possible. And then we will talk about narcissism and red flags during the courtship stage. Nothing shatters your life like a breakup. And the pain of a broken heart is real. I know that it seems impossible right now, but there is hope and there are ways to heal. I would love to work with you one-on-one to heal your broken heart and put your breakup behind you. My personalized coaching programs are designed to pinpoint what will be most effective in helping you to move forward and make this breakup a part of your past. I believe in you. Message me at xfilespodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at xfilespodcast and let's connect about creating a magical plan of action for you to enter 2023 with this breakup in your rearview mirror. Welcome back, everybody. Let's talk about you've moved on from the first couple of dates. Maybe you are getting closer to that three-month mark. You know, things are progressing. So what are you going to see during the courtship stage if you are potentially dating a narcissist? I want this to be so clear. that one of the things you will experience the most with either narcissists or generally abusive motherfuckers is (laughs) (laughs) this is one of the top things to look for is love bombing. We did mention it earlier, but this is how I got seduced into being with this man. It is my pattern and, and it is no healthy person wants to move things along at their pace and not yours and too rapidly it absolutely takes time to get to know people and to know that you're in love so i i really wanted to talk about this for a moment so what is love bombing the definition from psychology today is the term love bombing refers to a pattern and overly affectionate behavior that typically occurs at the beginning of a relationship often a romantic one in which the party bombs the other with over-the-top displays of adoration and attention. This behavior can include showering the other person with gifts and or compliments, declaring love early on, and or taking steps to remain in constant contact and spend increasing amounts of time together. This can take on many forms. Some possible actions or signs are gift giving, and I really want to put my own caveat on this because gifts are my love language and I, lo- I love presents, but yeah. there is, I guess, a timeline or there's there's appropriate yeah. gift giving for yeah. depending on how long you've been in the relationship. You know, right. flowers in the first month is one thing, you totally. know, a $1,000 coffee maker is another, which is what my ex did to me. <laughs> he bought you a coffee maker? Like a $1,000 one. <gasps> 
Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. With like, like all I- these functions. It was huge. It was, it was, I I was completely shocked when he brought it home the too. first month he was like, here's mm-hmm. your coffee. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I had okay. mentioned to him that, you know, I love the co- the smell of coffee in the morning and yeah. um, yeah, before I knew it. And not only that, so I'm shocked. Uh, I, I mean, excited, I guess it was really nice. Um, I, it was a little awkward. And then, you know, goes out later in the day to get coffee beans to go with it and buys like one bag of every single bean that Starbucks had. I had like this huge thing that I never even used. (laughs) And this was, yes, uh, the first the first month, I I believe. And also if it's just constant, too. I mean, maybe if this had been an isolated thing, but it it wasn't. It was just over the top. Excessive flattery, flattery compliments. So. For instance, saying that they've never met anyone like you, saying that you're the most amazing person they've ever met, saying that they're you're the love of their life, saying how incredible you are every day. I think you know the difference. Is what, what like, can you say about no, this? No, I I think what you're trying to say is like if they're always saying it to you, it almost becomes like uncomfortable. You're like, okay, thanks. Like you said it yesterday and the day before. Oh, like, totally. I get it. Yeah, like, I get it. And also, and how can I be the most amazing person you've ever met in your life when I just met you? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's possible, I mean, but <laughs> it's a bit much. Like it, it is, but but the truth is, like you can be impressed by someone's accomplishments or the way that they are when they're with you in the first week, two, month, whatever. But you don't know that person. You don't know that person. You're just getting to know that person. It is mm-hmm. early. You are seeing what they are letting you see. You are digging and seeing if you can figure out some more stuff. But like, yeah, they can't be like, you're the most incredible person I've ever met. And I'm, I mean, maybe they even mean it. Let's just say they're not a narcissist and they mean it, but that's only from what they've seen and what they've experienced. So yeah, just be very careful with that. Cause again, my whole thing is like, if it feels icky or wrong, something's up. Your body is literally telling you something is up. Even if you've been through a lot of trauma you might have a higher alarm system in your body, but something is coming up. And I think love bombing, you know, you need to um, take it into context with everything else that's going on. Because look, some people are just really doing their best and aren't too sure what appropriate behavior is and just really want to yeah. woo someone. And yeah. and so it you, you do need to weigh this against everything else. So yeah. love bombing, constant calls and text messages. That's a big red flag for me and a, and a sure tell sign moves for yeah. commitment early on trying to convince you that you are soulmates or the love of their life. And again, we're talking, you know, first three month period of saying these things and a disrespect for your boundaries. People who love bomb want to be in t- touch all of the time. They want to be your boyfriend. They want things to be exclusive. They don't want you to talk to anyone else. And they mm-hmm. they try and convince you that the relationship is so great, but they really don't give a shit about, <laughs> about your boundaries or what makes you comfortable. So it's all right. about them. It really is all about them. It is when you feel that like you're losing yourself because yeah. they're making these like great plans, but it's like overriding other things that you already had planned. And now you're like, oh shoot, well, I can't really do what you planned because I already had this thing then they'll instantly blame you. Like, well, what are you talking about? I plan this all for us. Like, yep. I don't yep. want to cancel now. Like I won't get refunded or whatever it is, right? Yep. Whatever the excuse is, then you become the bad guy. Like that's a perfect narcissistic, you know, cycle right there of control. And they're trying to control you because it's fun and it makes them feel powerful. And mm-hmm. that's what they want. They want the power of anyone. And it can be passive aggressive as well. I mean, they don't have to fly off the handle. They might, you know, be passive aggressive about it and say, well, well, fine. Well, I shouldn't have done this anyway. Or, okay, well, you know, that (laughs) that type of just generally making you feel bad. I just have issues with like how early is too early. When I think early, like calling you their soulmate, you're the love of my life, blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking in the first few weeks, to be honest. And like, like, because that's like really crucial time when love bombing mm-hmm. can be its most severe okay. and most potent. Like if it's been a month and you guys are consistent and things are like moving in a good space and people mm-hmm. are like getting to know each other, cool. But like I'm talking like, okay, <laughs> I dated someone. He calls himself a narcissist later. He, he actually referred to himself as one. Okay. Talked. I was like, well, I don't know if you are, if you're saying you are. Oh, I don't even know where to begin with this, but 
I remember we were being intimate and it was just like, we were sort of wrapped up in this passion and we were not dating. This was like a sort of hookup sort of situation, whatever. And I was like, I had almost, I don't know, maybe I was drunk. I have no idea. (laughs) I almost felt like either I was going to say I love you or he was going to say I love you. I think it was me. And he was like, wait, what were you going to say? And I was like, nothing, nothing. I I don't even know why that was going to come out. And by the way, I didn't love him. This was not a love situation. I don't know where it was coming from. And I think I was drunk. Passion, man. (laughs) And he was like, what were we going to say? And I was like, I was going to say I love you. And he was like, I love you. And he said it to me. And I was like, what do I say back? Like, oh my God, like, what do Mm. I do? And I was like, I love you too. And like, we continued to be like intimate. And I was like, what? That, that is not cool. That's not healthy, guys. Like, that's super, super toxic. And it doesn't mean he's a narcissist per se, but he allowed that manipulation to happen way too early. We were not committed. We were barely, I don't even know what we were. That's what we're talking about here. You know, when it's like, this is super wrong and, or it's being pushed where you're not there yet. They are pushing for the I love yous and the commitment. And you're like, oh my gosh, my body feels like this is a big no, but you're so great. I should probably say yes say no. Yeah. Just or hold no. back. That's what I do. I don't, I don't say it back if I'm not feeling it. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> so they're demanding of your time. We've sort of talked about this. Yep. They're inclu- um, including consistently expecting you to text, talk on the phone. Okay. This is interesting. I'm going to talk for men. Okay. Some guys have like a whole slew of guy friends from like college. Right. And they're like, mm-hmm. we're bros for life. <laughs> That's their thing. Yeah. I have a best friend who doesn't have a whole lot of guy friends and he's a good guy. There's nothing wrong with him. He hasn't done anything wrong, but some guys are just shy. They don't make great friends. So I will, if they don't seem to have many friends or their friendships are very surface level or their friendships are weird, like maybe you meet the friends quote, but like they're not super close to your partner and you're like that's funny I thought you guys were really close but they're not yeah that's that's weird there's something I off think there. this is the a good example of one of the tra- uh, one of the traits to look for that you definitely would want to weigh against many other things because yes pe- some mm-hmm. people have more friends than others I will say um I've been you know involved you know, even on the outside with a few different narcissists. And this was something that carried through to all of them who I knew, but yes, definitely weigh this against other feelings or red flags that you think you might be saying. I do have Mm. a funny quick story about my, uh, my narcissistic ex-boyfriend. So he had two friends. One was a guy, one was a girl known him for a really long time. I got to know them. They both became good friends with me. And when we broke up, you know, I was just trying to be respectful. And the girl was like, we can always hang out, blah, blah, blah. And then she kind of like distanced because it was awkward. And then the guy, we ended up becoming friends. And he ended up dropping my ex as his like friend from like 20 years. And he was like, he's a crazy narcissist. I can't believe what he did to you. He treats me like shit. And so yeah, they left or at least his best guy friend, you guys left him for me. I was like, hilarious. Yeah, (laughs) Just check out their friends. Definitely. Yep. Yep. And this is, I mean, another thing, you know, this is about the courtship phase. And this is when you, you do that. This is when you learn about the other people in their life and do definitely, definitely pay attention. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, They're nitpicky. That's all about control. Mm -hmm. They don't seem to have compassion or empathy for any kind of stress in your life. We've covered this. Yeah. Um, We have covered this as well, but I just want to read this from um, the Healthline article, Am I Dating a Narcissist? It says, they'll put you down, call you names, hit you with hurtful one-liners, make jokes that aren't funny. Their goal is to lower other self-esteem so that they can increase their own because it makes them feel more powerful. What's more, reacting to what they say may only enforce their behavior. A narcissist loves a reaction. That's because it shows them they have the power to affect another's emotional state. And we touched on this as well. But if they knock you down with insults when you do something we're celebrating, get yourself out of there. Yeah. So another thing to look for, which we've also said, pay very, very, very close attention to how they act when you try and execute a boundary and definitely know what your boundaries are. 
I mean, if you're listening to this and aren't too sure, let's take a little time and and do some journaling. (laughs) Yeah, or, you know, read some books on boundaries. There's an incredible one called Boundary Boss by Dr. Terry Cole. I interviewed her on my podcast. She's brilliant. She really breaks down boundaries in a way that you can really understand and put into action. So let's talk about gaslighting to sort of conclude the narcissism roller coaster. Yep. Actually, before we start speaking of roller coaster, this is the narcissistic cycle. We probably should have started with this in the beginning, but it's, you know, love bombing and then it's some kind of devaluing. You've done something that, you know, pisses them off or they just decide I'm going to get mad at you for something because I want to, you know, put control on you and then you feel terrible and then they can stonewall you, stop talking to you, ignore you, and you're begging, 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 like, no, 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 I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, which, you know, nice people usually are like, oh, I'm sorry if I hurt you, I didn't, I didn't mean to. And then the narcissist will be like, okay, fine, like, all right, well, I'll, I'll give you a second chance. And then it starts all over again with the love bombing, tearing you down, you're, you know, trying to win them back. And that's why it's so difficult to get out of narcissistic relationships because, you're in this creepy cycle, this crazy cycle. <laughs> creepy and, and crazy. Creepy and crazy. And eventually you do the cycle so many times, you're like, oh, wow, this is a pattern. And how come I'm always wrong? Like, I'm never right about anything, but I'm pretty sure I'm right about this stuff. Yeah. But they will continue to make you crazy with gaslighting. Mm-hmm. This is what gaslighting is. If you are ever sitting there and someone's like kind of, berating you or just going off and you have no idea where it's coming from you might be being gaslit I know this was a big dynamic in my marriage and I would just be sitting there so many times just like what are you talking about like I I can't and and if you're that confused Mm. you you might be dealing with this I had a moment I was thinking about this earlier today because I was like oh I'm so glad we're doing this episode So with my ex, who wasn't definitely a narcissist, he would do these like mind games on me, like Mm -hmm. these little tricks. Like he would literally trick me. And even saying that out loud makes me like ick because I can't believe that I couldn't – you don't know. Like everyone is vulnerable to abuse. This is not – you weren't smart enough. You're, you know, naive. Like it isn't about that. Any type of emotional, verbal, or mental abuse comes – out of nowhere and it's you can't it's this is why we're doing this episode to help you kind of navigate but you can always be tricked so one of the things he did which was so weird I don't know they pick weird things yeah was oh gosh okay so you know when you're driving and you have like a magnet to put your phone on like in the um the air conditioning sort of vent you can Mm -hmm. like stick it on so he had bought two. I guess it came in a pack of two. And he gave me one to try out. I didn't like it at all. I gave it back to him. I was like, oh no, my phone keeps sliding off. I don't like it. I don't want to use it. It's it's ugly too. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> all like, valid points. <laughs> right. I was like, I'm not that big of a nerve. I yeah. thought, you know, navigation, I'm fine. Gave it back to him. Didn't think twice about it. Well, he somehow loses his and he thinks that I have it. Oh, that I took yeah. it. Yeah. And that I am essentially gaslighting him. Uh, he starts making up all of these stories. And he's like, can you check your car again? Like, did you check everywhere in your car? And I was like, yeah, I don't have it. Like, order a new one. They're 10 bucks. It's nothing. I'll <laughs> order a new one. Who gives a shit? Anyway, we broke up, which, by the way, getting him out of my life took a very, very long time because mm. he wouldn't leave because they're terrible. And I just remember he was finally out of my life and I opened up the middle console and what do you know, that crazy man placed it there. It had never been there before. And he was like waiting (sighs) for me to, for him to say, go check your car again. And I would, and there it would be. And like, that is what gaslighting looks like. Yes. Yes. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I hate him so much. I hate him so much. Um, yeah, that was the kind of stuff he would pull And then it would be even more like psychologically damaging, which gaslighting can be as simple as trite as that, but it can also be like, nope, I never said that. And that's usually how it is. Or I forgot. Or I didn't mean it like that. You're misinterpreting Mm -hmm. it. No, what I Mm -hmm. actually said was, and so they're really rewriting history 
And so when you know, it's like they're telling you the sky is green, but it's actually blue. And they're going to convince you that it is green no matter what. Actually, that same person said that the ocean was green. And I was like, okay. it's blue. He's like, no, <laughs> it's it's like green. Like, look at it. And I'm like, but also why the thing is like why are you why is it so important that we agree on this little thing like why is he becoming so obsessed with yeah my max would yeah. do that too i mean he'd play a song or i'd be playing a song and he'd come up and just be like she has the whiniest voice don't you think and i said well no i'm enjoying this and then just like not letting me go on with my work until i agreed that you know this person yeah. has a whiny voice uh, my ex-husband would often tell me that i i didn't know how to feel apologetic or not. And he was the only one who knew if I was apologetic because ah. he said, he would say, I know you better than you know yourself. And he's oh, like, and I can God. see in your face that you're not sorry. And so, oh. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're, I mean, that's pretty crazy. That's making. gaslighting. Mm -hmm. That's definitely, that's a version. I mean, it's all manipulative, but okay. So here are some signs that you're dating a narcissist and with gaslighting. And there's always going to be gaslighting, guys. If you're with a narcissist, gaslighting is happening. That's happening. How to deal with finding out you are dating a narcissist. Yeah. So you've listened to this episode. Yeah. What do you do now? Whether you meet one next weekend or whether you think you might be in a relationship with them. Um, we're going to go over a few things that you can do before we wrap up. And so we're, we're going to end on an empowering note. <laughs> Okay, so number one, if you have a feeling you deserve better, take it as a sign that you do. God, please don't settle, guys. Mm -hmm. I know it's rough out there, but honestly, it's better to be happy and alone than it is to be with someone who's going to drive you and make you feel crazy every yep. day. Number two, like I said, just enjoy being single. These are some of the best times in your life. You get to do whatever you want. You get to yes. explore. You get to relax. You don't have to think about romantic stuff. Relationships can be complicated at times. I'm a big proponent in believing that they don't have to be when you find the right person. But in order to do that, you have to be single and date. And get to know yourself. Yep. And be willing to walk Number away three. if it's bad. Because That's you're right. okay already. You, <laughs> you have to be willing to walk away. And that takes a lot of self-worth and a lot of work on yourself. You need to be direct. If you find out you're dating a narcissist, you cannot just be wishy-washy like, oh, okay, well, maybe he'll change. I'll love him so much and he'll just be nicer to me. Nope. They're going to take more advantage of you. Yep. Be direct. Say, you know what? This is done. Goodbye. Yep. And even even then, you guys, that is just the the opening statements for them. It took me months to get rid of this person. Literally it had been three months since an official breakup and he was still thinking we were like together. You need to cut off contact. <laughs> Definitely. The, I think it's the best way if this is a true narcissist, they will spend the rest of the next year trying to convince you that you're wrong. So, and then along those lines, yes, be direct. Don't go into your story and explanation around why this isn't working for you. They love that. That will only feed their narcissism so just say it's not working cut off contact you don't owe them anything yeah. you know you, you really really don't don't get caught up in their sob story this is what did it for me I also it took me a, a really long time to get out of my relationship as well and partially it was because he would cry he'd make threats he was saying mm -hmm. he's going to do this or that he couldn't live without me and yeah really easy to get caught up in for sure yeah absolutely and they may say that they are going to change or this or that. They might give excuses for why they've done things. Don't take anything they say seriously. You make this decision for yourself. Be direct and just get out. Life is too short. There are wonderful people out there who will respect you and honor you and yeah. work with you to build the relationship. You don't need this shit. You really don't. You really, really don't. Don't get caught up in their sob story and don't take anything they say seriously because they are so wishy-washy and they'll flip-flop and they'll say what you need to hear in order to get control back. Yep. And that's the thing. Like they use you as fuel to make themselves feel more powerful and that is it. That is the end and that's the beginning and the end of their story. And when you don't give them any fuel, attention, when you cut them off and you really don't give them anything of you, 
they have to go somewhere else. And that's what they do. They will find a new supply. Thousand percent. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for doing this episode. I can't wait till our next one. Everybody go and listen to that girl, the podcast. She has great topics, great experts, wonderful people in there all of the time who just want listeners to be happy and live more abundant lives. Perfect. It's true. Go find me there or find me on Instagram at Jackie Brubaker. Yes, please, please, please do go show her some X-Files love. And if you like this episode, show me some X-Files love by going and leaving me a five-star rating and review on Apple. I have just been loving hearing from people about what this has meant to them this year. So please go and do the same. And with that, I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to X-Files podcast. I sincerely hope that you found today's episode inspirational or useful. I would love to support you on your healing journey. All you have to do is send me a message through the X-Files Instagram account, and I will personally be in touch to get you started. Remember, if you are struggling with a broken heart, your feelings are temporary. I am sending you so much love and luck for the week ahead. You've got this.